This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Happy Mother's Day. Can we tell our moms just thank you one more time? Just Can we just give them a big hand as a church family and say thank you? Normally when I preach, um, I try to think about everybody who is going to be here today and I try to pray for you all and try to consider that in all of my preparation and think about, God, how can this message best impact everyone at every angle, no matter what season of life that they're in, and I take all that into consideration in all my message preparation But today I really only took one person into consideration, and that was the ladies of our church. And so I normally don't do this, but I do have a specific message today just for the women of our church. Don't check out on me, guys. It's still applicable to every guy in the room because you can still take the principles. But I wanted to give you a special gift and just let you know that I've been praying for you and thinking about you and preparing because I believe that God has something great in store for the women of this church, and I believe that the women of this church have a lot of gifts and a lot of abilities and callings and things that God has gifted you with, and that you're going to be able to invest and pass those things down to the next generation. You're going to model for this upcoming generation what godly women should look like, and you're going to care for them in a way that's going to point them in the right direction so that as we shoot the children like arrows, that they actually hit the target that we intend for them to hit, that they're honoring God, that they're living for God, that they're being those young men and women that we desire and hope for them to be. And so I want to talk to you today from that place of being a mentoring mother. Now this day holds a lot of different emotions for a lot of different people. That word mother holds a lot of different emotions for a lot of different people depending on what has happened throughout life, depending on what has happened throughout your childhood or maybe even throughout this year. That word, when we celebrate those mothers, it, you may not have exactly known your mother or maybe not have had the best image attached to your mother or maybe you have a mother that you celebrate. But it doesn't matter the definition that life has created of what a mother is or what Mother's Day means. It doesn't really even matter if you have children because the heart of a mother is in you because you were created to sow forward. You were created to invest forward. You were created to invest in the next generation. So it doesn't even matter if you have children or perhaps never plan to have children. I believe that the heart of the mother rests in every woman that God has created. It just shows itself and manifests itself in a lot of different ways. So if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn to Titus, the second chapter. What? I just thought we finished Titus. We did finish Titus, but we're going back. (laughs) Fantastic. We're going to Titus chapter 2, because remember, the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the young Greek man named Titus, who was in a leadership position of pastoring churches and speaking to people and investing in them and then structuring the different leadership uh, uh, areas in the church to make sure that it would be healthy and that would endure So when Paul was telling Titus the things that he should do, he not only told him qualifications to look for, he not only told him things to watch out for and be careful of, 
But one of the things that Paul told Titus was he said, I want to tell you what you need to teach. These are the things that you need to teach to ensure that there's going to be a strong, healthy church. These are the things you need to teach to ensure that there are going to be men and women who rise up and take their place, and this is what you need to teach them. And that's where we're going to start off in Titus chapter 2. Let's look at verse 3. Titus 2 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul telling Titus, he says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, and they're not to be uh, slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be working at home, to be kind, to be submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. I love this here in the middle of this short passage that we just read where the Apostle Paul tells Titus to teach the women what is good so they can train young women. Titus is to instruct, young, uh, is to instruct the older women to teach them what is good so they can train younger women because the Apostle Paul knows that for the church to continue, for the message of the gospel to pass through generation to generation as we hand the baton, that we need to be intentional about mentoring, that we need to be intentional about teaching, that we need to be intentional about giving people those experiences and those encounters with God and that we model those things for them and that we make sure that they're in an environment where those things can be nurtured and where those things can be developed. This is absolutely essential because we can't just assume that the gospel is always going to be this message that's always just going to uh, be championed by every generation. Because as you see the trends of culture, we see that the effectiveness and the power and the weight of the church begins to diminish as the world tries to get louder and louder in our culture. So someone needs to intentionally pass the baton, amen? Someone needs to intentionally make a decision to invest. And here, Paul tells Titus, teach the older men to do this as well. He leads off with that. But then he says, likewise, teach the older women. They need to be people who are setting the tone, setting the pace, being that example. But then also he adds teaching the younger women. And he gives a few examples of things that he could be teaching them. So that way they continue to grow in their love of God. They continue to grow in showing the goodness of God and that the gospel is championed from generation to generation. Now, many women in culture desire to have a mentor or maybe even to be a mentor. They see the need for that. I've heard people talk about, man, I really need a mentor. I really need someone investing in my life. I've heard people say things like that because at our core, we recognize that we're not the smartest person on the planet. And we want to seek out other people who have done things perhaps that we haven't done or have, have, have had certain experiences that we've yet to have. And we want to seek out that counsel. But most of the time, we just don't know how. So it's not that we don't see the need. So I'm not going to preach to you today from a standpoint of trying to uh, get you to understand the need for mentoring, but rather the practicalities of the how the women who call themselves Christians, who are especially here in our local congregation, can rise up and actually be those types of women that Paul was instructing Titus to teach and to instruct. Now, many older women have a difficulty stepping into that role because they may feel unqualified. 
They may feel afraid. Maybe they're afraid of overcommitting. I don't want to overcommit myself. I'm already busy. I only have so many hours in the day. But what's really involved? What does it take to be a mentor? Does it take perfection? Does it take perhaps formal training? Maybe when we think of mentor, we think maybe I have to be a a, a grandmother before I can be in that role. But all those things are not true. What really is needed is a heart for God, experience in life, and a love for people. A heart for God, experience in life, and a love for people. If you have these characteristics, then you can mentor someone else. But what does it look like? Because I think a lot of times people simply feel inadequate. They feel like, I don't really have anything to truly offer because I haven't been trained. I didn't go to seminary. I don't even remember the last time that I read past Genesis chapter 2. And I thought I had accomplished something the day that I did that. I I don't remember the last time that perhaps I'm just not one of those women. I'm not one of those people who feels like I have a lot to offer. Let me tell you something. That feeling of inadequacy is a lie from the enemy to keep you from fulfilling your God-given purpose. Let me say that again. That feeling of inadequacy is a lie from the enemy because he wants to keep your purpose stalled. He wants to keep your purpose at bay because he knows that if you truly get unleashed and begin to do what God has created you to do, those mothering instincts that he has imprinted on your DNA, if that ever gets loose, he knows that the gospel is only going to go further and stronger because someone was willing to take their life and invest in another. He is afraid of you getting unleashed. So that's why there's such a huge attack on women in our world today. That's why women are oppressed in so many countries. Because it's an evil demonic force that is trying to suppress women. That's trying to keep them down and keep them from fulfilling their God-given destiny. But I'm here to tell you today that that is a lie that you are inadequate. That is a lie that you don't have what it takes because you haven't attended a seminary, or because you haven't properly understood everything that you think you need to understand, because God has given you a purpose, and you need to begin to step out into that purpose where you're at right now. I heard a great leadership principle taught a couple weekends ago when I attended a men's seminar that was developing men's ministry, and I think it applies across the board. It's a 70-20-10 rule. 70-20-10. So if we're looking at what true mentoring looks like, this guy said it looks like 70, 20, 10. 70% of mentoring is simply life experience. It's simply you sharing life experience with other people. 70% of your growth as an individual is going to be experience. 20% is actual teaching and instruction, and then the 10% is like classroom books, development time, uh, and, and, and maybe lectures and seminars and things like that. He said that they've broken this down, and what they've identified is that the bulk of our learning, the bulk of our growth, simply comes from life experience. But in the church, oftentimes, we get that backwards. 
And we try to get people in classrooms 70% of the time to develop them. And then we want to spend 20% of the time perhaps uh, uh, instructing. And then, and, and then maybe that 10% of the time actually giving people experience. But yet, if we see the way that we as humans are created and the way we learn and the way that we develop, most of us learn through life experience. I don't know about you, but I'm still working on my Ph.D. from the School of Hard Knocks. I keep going back. I mean, they kick me out, I go back. They kick me out, I go back. Because that school of life and life experience is truly one of the greatest teachers. And if you are in this room today and you are breathing, at some level you have some life experience that you can share with someone else. You have a story. You have something you can share about how God has been faithful in your life. You may not know how to articulate it in a way that you could stand up and teach hundreds of people, but that's not the goal. The goal is that you invest and care about one individual and just simply share your life experience with them. That you say, hey, this is what I've been through. This is what I've gone through. This is what God has done in my life. This is a time where I thought that there was no light at the end of the tunnel, but then God pulled through. There was one time where I thought that I just I, I couldn't stand it anymore with all of the pressures of, of, of being a young mother with uh, the crying baby and, and the mortgage or the rent that was due and the lack of employment with my husband or maybe the absent father. But yet, I'm still here, and God has still been faithful, and God is still helping me to grow, and I'm not done yet, and He's not done with me. Man, stories like that, just caring about another person and sharing that life experience. So don't get intimidated thinking that in order to be a mentor that you have to have some kind of degree. Don't think that in order to be a mentor, to have a significant investment in someone else's life, that you have to know how to just say it just right. Because God's faithfulness in your life is a testimony, and you don't realize how powerful that testimony is and how you can share that with others and invest in others. I want to give you some real practical things that I just want to teach you and help you and encourage you today, moms, and I want you to be able to understand the weight of what it is that you carry with being this mentor and exactly how you can walk this out. And the first thing is just simply be available. That's the first thing. Be available. You know that as we talk about growing to the next level in 2016, where I cast vision back in January, I said that we need to grow in the fundamentals. We need to grow to the next level in the fundamentals. And the fundamentals of Christianity are understanding Scripture, being a person who's diligent in the Word of God, being a person of prayer, and then also being a person who's available. Those are the three areas that all of us, if we would master those areas, if we would invest in those areas, if we would be diligent about spending intentional time in those three areas, being people who are in the Scripture, being people of prayer, and being people who are simply available. Oftentimes, I think that we get the Scripture part and get the prayer part. And if we plan our schedule just right, we can probably be people who are in the Scripture and be people who pray. But that availability piece makes us a little uncomfortable, maybe. Maybe it doesn't make us as comfortable because we still feel inadequate, because we're still believing the lie, because we still feel unqualified, but yet being available is a part of your growth. And it's a challenging step in your growth, but simply be available. This is the starting place to the roadmap of mentoring, being available. It's the starting point. You're sitting on go. This is where you begin, simply recognizing the need to be available. You don't have to pray about this 
You don't have to say, well, let me pray about being available. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I need to, 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 to really do this right now or not. I, I, let me go think about this and pray about this. No, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where Paul said, tell them to go teach the younger, but before they do, make sure they pray about it. He said, no, do it. This is not a request, because if you don't do this and we drag our feet, then there's going to rise up a generation that doesn't know the Lord. There's going to rise up a generation that doesn't know the weight of the gospel because we were lax or because we believed the lie of inadequacy or because we hit the pause button and we decided not to invest. God says, simply be available. Be willing. Make yourself available for another person. Matter of fact, you remember in chapter 3 of Titus, Paul goes on to tell young Titus to insist on these things. He said, don't let up. Don't don't give them a pass. Don't, don't Don't give them a pass on this. Make sure they understand the weight and the seriousness of investing in the next generation. Make sure that they understand that they don't believe the lie because if they don't, then the church is going to fail and it's going to break apart because there's not solid people growing in that church. He said, tell the men to do this. Tell the women to do this. Make sure that this is a priority. Insist on it. Don't negotiate. Don't barter with God. Just simply be available. The next thing that we can grow in as a mentor, is being purposeful. Be purposeful with your mentoring because mentoring is not always a Bible study. We get this idea that we got to go out and find a curriculum or some book or go through something with an individual and we attach these words like mentoring. We attach it to a Bible study or curriculum or something that happens within the context of these walls in this building. And that's not always the case. It it can be that. I'm not trying to knock that or say that it can't be that. But get out of the mindset of it has to be that. Because being purposeful in your mentoring is asking the question, what does the individual that God has brought into my life, what are they really seeking or what do they really need? Maybe it is a Bible study. But maybe it's just someone to sit and listen. Maybe it's someone to help out in an area that it's just really simple. Maybe it's having a workout partner that you go to the gym with, and it's just listening to life and just being available. Maybe it's someone that can give some instruction on how to help in in certain areas, like dealing with their finances or dealing with their husband or with their children and helping to grow. Maybe it's their own lack of discipline in their life to help them to develop and grow. And maybe you could help gracefully model and teach and give instruction and encouragement. Maybe it's you simply being an encourager to another person. Because we have this idea that mentors like this hat that we wear or this really nice polo that's, you know, embroidered that says mentor. You know, just like the guys always wear the security shirts all the time. And I'm like, you've never been security at anything. (laughs) But they've got a t-shirt. Mentoring is not a t-shirt with a name on the front or the back. It's not some title that we go to, to, to try to hold and get a name badge or parking space for. No, mentoring is simply caring about someone enough to inconvenience your own schedule and your own desires of things that perhaps you would rather do and go, you know what, I think that me spending time with this individual is going to be more meaningful and have a lasting impact 
than if I were to do whatever it is that I was going to do because this person matters. And it's beginning to prioritize that relationship and recognize there's something here that I can help with. I have mentors all in my life. There are people that I consider mentors that probably don't even know that I consider them mentors. There are people that I intentionally spend time with. Some of them I have scheduled time that I spend with them, uh, whether it's once a month or whether it's once a week. I have a pastor friend. Um, you all know Pastor Bob Abel from Remedy Church in, in downtown Sheboygan. Every Monday at 1 o'clock, Pastor Bob and I are together. And I'm helping him with some things, but my intention was I just want to learn from this guy because he's experienced so much. I have other pastors that mentor me. Pastor Andy Shanholtz has been a mentor to me um, and still is, even though he's a little further down the road or up the road, I guess I should say. Um, uh, there, there's, a, there's a pastor um, uh, in town uh, by the name of uh, Steve Petrie who has spoken into my life on occasion. Some of you may know him. And then there's people who are far away that have spoken into my life. Some of those people sought me out. Some of those people wanted to intentionally invest in me. Some of those people I had to seek out. Some of those people, you see, this idea of mentoring is a two-way street. That's why we have to be purposeful and intentional. It's not just this thing of, oh, I'm this great Yoda figure, and you must all climb the mountain, and then you finally climb the mountain, and there they are, and you see them there, and then you seek their wisdom, and you sit at their feet. No, it's not always that way. Sometimes it is that individual seeking a mentor, and you recognize, man, this person is really seeking a relationship. Sometimes it's the person that is the mentor recognizing you know what? God keeps putting this person in, in my path. I keep putting this person on my heart. I keep running into him at the gym over and over. I keep seeing him at the grocery store or in the neighborhood. I, I'm just go for my daily jog. And then all of a sudden, I always run into these people. We, we have the same times where we just go for a walk in the neighborhood. Maybe God is trying to make a divine connection because there's something that you have to offer or something that they have to offer so iron can sharpen iron, so you can encourage one another and be there for one another. Maybe it's not happenstance that you and that individual take the break at your job at the same time. Maybe God is setting you up. Maybe God has put someone in your life that, that you admire and you're like, man, I wish I could hang out with that person. And maybe you need to just simply go invite them out for coffee or for lunch and talk to them. You see qualities that, that perhaps they're further down the road in an area that you are, and you go, wow, man, that person has raised some amazing kids. There's a couple in our church that they, their children are, are almost all adult children at this point, and I think that they've done a fantastic job with their kids, and I've sought them out on occasion just to talk to them simply about what they're doing and what they did raising their children because I don't have it all figured out, and you don't have it all figured out. But together, we're sharpening one another. We're helping one another. We're encouraging one another. It's simply taking time out to care and being intentional. So it's a two-way street. You should be mentored, and you should be a mentor. You're passing those things along. You're helping someone to, to grow. I'll tell you guys, all I do on Sunday morning is I simply spend time with Jesus. He speaks to me, and I show you what he showed me. That's what I do. I'm not trying to think of some amazing thing that, 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 that I can just blow all your minds with. No, I just spend time with Jesus. He shares things with me. I see things he's showing me in his word, and I go, hey, look it. That's what I do, and that's what mentors do. It's like, wow, I've grown in this area. I've learned something in this area. I've been challenged in this area, and let me show. Let me share. Let me teach. Let me invest. So mentors need to seek out people, and people who desire to be mentored need to seek out people. 
We need to be actively seeking those, intentional and purposeful. The next thing we need to do is we need to be creative. We need to find that time to connect with other people. Maybe we can even be creative in, in the sense that, 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 that we, we spend time with someone even online or over the phone if we can't just connect with them immediately. I have a friend that lives in Michigan that I met by happenstance, one would think. And this guy has spoken into my life several times, and I've asked him questions about different things because God just made this amazing connection through some goofy Facebook post, and we got to chatting back and forth. The next thing you know, I've got this guy that I've been friends with, and I've never even met him in person. We've been friends for three years, and I'll hit him up about stuff. I'll ask him questions on stuff because this guy gives me great advice and gives me great input concerning certain subjects in life. It's really cool. We'll just be creative and open up those possibilities. What and who are we investing in? Because mentoring doesn't have to be this formal thing. We get this idea that we have to sit down at a table with someone. Let's begin. Mentoring. (laughs) we got to get rid of this idea that it's this stiff, formal thing. It's just doing life with another. It's simply caring about someone checking on them. Maybe you haven't seen somebody around in a while. Uh, maybe, maybe they've been missing at, at the gym, which is a place you see a lot of people miss. <laughs> maybe you've seen them missing at church. Maybe you've seen them missing at work. Maybe you've seen them missing from the normal spot you would connect in. You just haven't seen them around. Why don't you take the time instead of wondering, why don't you just give them a call and let them know that you care about them, invite them for coffee. Perhaps God would be setting you up to be able to invest in that person's life and them maybe have an investment in you as well. But being intentional about it, helping them to grow, caring about them right where they're at. Not waiting for someone to be perfect before you spend time with them, but spending time with those who perhaps maybe you're not used to spending time with. Maybe people that don't normally run in your same social circles, or maybe they don't even go to church. I know that there's a lot of people that God has put in my life just simply from going to the gym or being a part of the Bucks organization. God has put people in my life, and I'm just trying to be aware and being intentional, being creative and saying, God, help me to see those relationships that you want me to invest in, that you want me to truly pour into, and help me to seek out those things as well. The next thing that we need to do is we need to be a listener. This is huge. This is key. Because we have to be a listener. The greatest listener on the planet that I know is Pastor Andy Shanholtz. I think he is the best listener. I think he could just do some type of workshop on it, and here's how it would go. All right, let's all practice listening. (laughs) Awkward pause. Let me tell you something. The reason that Pastor Andy and I became friends and how he became a mentor in my life is simply through him listening. Here's how our relationship began, for those of you who don't know or who would like to hear the story. And if you don't want to hear the story, I don't care. (laughs) You're obviously not listening to what's on the screen. When I first came here to pastor this church four and a half years ago, I came and Andy made a beeline for me. And he said, hey, my name's Andy Shanholtz. I have this ministry that I run called Freedom Life Skills. Your church supports it, you know, on a monthly basis. And I would like to take you out for lunch, get to know you, and tell you why your church supports the ministry that I work work at. Okay, great. I I love that he that was a priority. Wanted to connect, 
And there was just this kindred spirit. I just, I just had this connection with this guy. I just really liked being with him. And the reason that I really liked being with him is because I like to talk a lot. And he likes to listen a lot. And I'm like, this is a perfect relationship. But then in my times of actually shutting down and, and me becoming the listener, the things he would share would just... You, it came from a place of caring. It came from a place of, uh, of, of truly uh, caring about me as an individual. Sometimes when people talk and you're in a conversation, they're sharing their heart with you, you can tax your mind with what's going to be a good response for this person. Let me really think of something good to share with them. But if you're doing that while they're speaking, guess what? You're not listening. If you're trying to solve their problem as they're speaking or you've already got your mind made up of what you're going to say next, you're just waiting for them to take a breath or take a drink so you can interject it, you're not listening. Pastor Andy is a master of just simply listening. One of the best ways that he has taught me to listen to other people is when you are uh, in a conversation and they're sharing something with you that you're not trying to think of an answer, you're not trying to think of the next thing you're going to say, you're listening, and then when they finish sharing, you repeat back to them what they said. Okay, so what I'm hearing from you is, and then you share with them what you believe you heard. And they can either correct what you probably perceived or heard, or they can go, yeah, that's exactly it. And then you follow that with giving advice. Or then you follow that with perhaps giving them some next steps that they could do. Don't stop listening to them because people want to feel and know value. And one of the ways you can help people to feel and know value is simply by taking the time to listen to them. Nothing gives me greater joy than when people listen to me. You do it every week. Hopefully, you are being an active listener, and you're not just sitting there arguing with me in your mind, or you're not just thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. Now you are probably, but (laughs) you're an active listener, and that we slow down. Man, and Pastor Andy told me, he said said that that was a skill he had to learn because he naturally would like to over-talk people, but instead he had to train himself to go, okay, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop speaking. I need to shut my mind down from trying to come up with a solution and just listen to the individual. And when you listen to someone, be extremely confidential. Amen? Amen. Confidentiality breeds trust. And we need trust if we're truly going to be able to get deep in someone's life and care about them enough to share things with them that's truly going to help them. You have to make sure that everything that is shared, especially if it's something heavy, that this is confidential. And if it's something that you believe you need to share with your spouse, you need to let that person know, is it okay if I share this with my husband because we want to pray for you? Ask permission. Don't ever assume permission. Always ask. Is it okay? I just just want to be praying for you. And if they say, no, I'd rather just keep this between us, then you just pray. And you just make sure that you lift that person up. But if it's something they allow you to share, keep it confidential and do what you say you're going to do. But be a listener. The next thing is probably my favorite, is be real. Be authentic. Be real. Don't don't worry as a mentor about being perfect because those who are being mentored don't expect their mentors to be perfect. What they will be disappointed in is when their mentor acts and and tries to make you think that they're perfect, and then they see flaws in you, and then they begin to look at you as a phony. 
It's better to own up to our failures and our limitations and the different weaknesses that we have in our lives rather than trying to hide them from those that we're investing in. That's always been my philosophy since I've been in ministry. That's why I don't mind, as a pastor, sharing certain stories with our congregation that are very vulnerable to me. I've shared things about my dad, even though, praise God, that situation's turned around to be a wonderful thing. I've shared stories about some of the ways that I was raised in, uh, in, in the church and some of the weird and strange beliefs they've had. I've even shared with you how I've done things and said things in my relationship with my spouse that I was like, oh, come on, man. And I'm not sharing from 20 years ago. I'll say, this is what I did last week. Because I think there's something to people being real and being authentic that helps people to know, you know what? There's hope for me. (laughs) There's hope for me because there are no perfect people. And we know that and we say that. But we look at certain individuals and we go, man, they have the perfect marriage. Man, they have the perfect kids. Man, they always seem to have money. It just seems like they must just be perfect in every single way. They have the little glimmer, the little shine when they smile. It actually literally happens when they smile. And I hear the noise. It's the craziest thing. They're perfect. They're the cleavers, you know. I mean, it's just insane. But nobody's that way. Everybody has their flaws. Everybody has their shortcomings. Everybody has their failures. So instead of trying to hide those things with those that I invest in, I try to just be real and I try to be authentic and I try to tell them, hey, you know what, I've figured some things out in that area, but it hasn't always been that way. I struggled. I totally get where you're at. Let me tell you, we went through a hard time financially or me and my spouse went through a difficult time in this area and this is how God brought us out of this. Then all of a sudden you become more touchable, more authentic and it doesn't seem like that you've just had everything handed to you and that you have just been fed with a silver spoon and that everything has just gone perfect in your life, that you're real, that you're transparent, that you're authentic. You just got to stop worrying about what people think about you. Amen? Be vulnerable. Help others see that you've learned. Even be vulnerable with, I'm still trying to grow in this area. This is something that I'm striving to grow in right now. So would you hold me accountable for that? Would you pray for me? Do you have any advice you could give me? Because I'm still trying to grow in this area because I, I feel like I still have a lot to learn or I still struggle in this area. Just be real. Be touchable. Be transparent. Be authentic. I guarantee you that the words that you share and the things that you do are going to go a lot further when you're real than when you're not. Amen? Amen. The next thing is one of these that I think goes without saying. It's be an example. Be an example. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul kicks off this section of his letter to the church in Corinth by saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. So in other words, pattern the things that you do off of how I follow Christ. Because Christ is the one who's making the difference, not me, right? And so what Christ has done and is doing in my life, watch that. And allow those things to be something that you can go, I can follow that because I see how Christ is impacting that individual's life. Man, over and over again, we see in First Timothy, Second Timothy, we see in Titus, we see all throughout Scripture in different areas where we are instructed to be people who carry a standard, who carry a banner, who are people of integrity, who are people of our word, people who do things above reproach. We see over and over again that our call is to be 
be that representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in someone's life. We need to be an example and remember that we're an example, especially when we're in those situations where we would be tempted to react in a way that wouldn't be a good example. We need to stop ourselves. We need to give ourselves a time out. We need to stop ourselves and slow down and realize, wait a minute, I know that there's five carts in front of me and there's only one checker and there's 30 registers. (laughs) But I'm an example. I'm an example. How I handle this situation is showing someone this is how a Christ follower should react and act in this circumstance. I need to slow down. I'm in a hurry right now, but I need to slow down. I'm in a hurry and and I've got to be somewhere, but maybe I could just shoot them a text and let them know that I'm going to be late and that I choose my words carefully and I don't pull out my phone and go, yeah, I'm going to be 10 minutes late because stupid Walmart only has one stupid checker and they have 30 (laughs) stupid registers and somebody has a complicated order in front of me. I came in for two things. Even our verbiage to those that perhaps we would be talking to in that scenario. Recognize, wait a minute, I'm an example. Me as a mentor, me as someone who has influence, me as someone who other people are watching as I'm following Christ, I need to stop and go, I am an example. I know that during the spring and summer in Wisconsin that there are orange things that grow all over the road. They pop up. There are these orange weeds They pop up all over the place. It's insane. These orange weeds, they just, you go to sleep one night, you'll wake up the next morning, orange weeds everywhere. It's the craziest thing ever. And I know it's frustrating. And I know that some people don't know how to work when there's an arrow spray painted on the road and there's a turn lane spray painted on the road for a temporary time and people don't understand, what do I do? And you're upset either because you are that person or you're behind that person. But you need to be an example. And when you're in those moments where your heart starts racing, you start to feel your blood boiling, you need to slow down and remember you're an example. And you want to know the best way to get a handle on some of those things in those reactive situations in life? is to practice it when you're alone. Practice it when you're alone. Instead of, nobody's in the car, I'm just going to let that guy standing next to the orange cone have it. He can't hear me, I'm being passive-aggressive. But I'm going to let him have it. Yeah, if you do that enough times and rehearse that when no one's around, guess what's going to happen when someone is around? You've practiced, you've gotten good at it. How about practicing the opposite when no one's around? How about practicing, help me, Jesus, right now. Jesus, take the wheel. No, don't do that. It's bad, it's bad advice. Terrible song, very dangerous. No. <laughs> I get the metaphor, but, but don't practically do that. Just in the Carrie Underwood, next thing you know, I'm in a head-on collision. That's not a good idea. But we need to be an example, especially when no one is watching. I've always been taught as a person who's been on numerous worship teams and led numerous worship teams, um, part of my training was those who worship God in private will have no problem worshiping Him in public. 
And so I want to make sure that my private life is a life of private worship to God. So when I'm standing on a stage holding an instrument and singing songs to lead multiple people into the presence of God, that I'm doing so from an, a position of overflow of my own private worship with God. Not that I haven't talked to God, prayed, worshiped God all week, and then I come up here and try to fake it till I make it. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? We, we don't need to be people who just put on a performance. It needs to be authentic and genuine. So what am I doing behind the scenes? What am I practicing behind the scenes? That's how you're going to live out being an example. The last thing that I want to share with you about these practical steps to grow as being a mentor, as a mother, is to be a teacher. Be a teacher. And I don't mean be a teacher in the sense of you have to be able to bring this, this really impressive exegesis of Scripture to the table to be able to break down all the different elements of the temple and the showbread and the lampstand and all that wonderful stuff. I'm not saying be a teacher in that instance, although there's nothing wrong with those things. I'm talking about you understand that you are someone who is investing. You are a teacher that you make sure that you're doing due diligence behind the scenes to invest in your relationship with God so you can minister to someone from a position of overflow instead of just rehashing and rehearsing the same things that you already know. Why not invest and minister from a position of overflow instead of scraping the bottom of the barrel? And understand that's your role to invest in yourself as a teacher. I I really like this way that uh, Steve Sonderman puts the uh, whole idea of mentoring. He wraps it up into these four phrases. It's, I do, you watch, we talk. So I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to teach you how to do it, and you're just going to watch. And then when we're done, then we're going to talk about it. And then the next step is that I do, and then you help me do it. And then afterwards, we talk about it. And then the next step is you do, I'm going to help, and then we talk about it. And the last step is you do, I watch, and we talk. And I believe if you were to add another step, it would be now you're the person that's saying I do because I found someone else now to watch and to talk because we're just passing that on and mentoring forward. And that's what God has put in the DNA of every single one of us, and that's what Titus is instructed to teach the women. He said, older women, show them, teach them, do it with them, talk about it, invest, teach them, and show them. Remember, 70% of that is going to be, 70% of their growth is going to be that experience, you walking with them and living life and doing that with them. Mentoring mothers, they get involved, and they simply care. They just get involved in other people's lives, and they just care. If you really wanted to boil everything down today that I taught, and I know you're thinking, yeah, we could have got out of here quicker because you start talking about food and stuff and Walmart and all kinds of stuff. I think I need to buy some stuff now. (laughs) Mentoring mothers get involved, and they simply care. Perhaps maybe... They, that your involvement could be through something as simple as volunteering. And then as you volunteer here at the church, then you get involved with someone that you really enjoy this person's company. And you either want to learn from this person or you think that you could help this person because you see perhaps they're struggling in a certain area in their life. You just begin to care about them. Your relationship begins to span beyond just working uh, here on a weekend at church. And you go, wow, God's put that person on my heart. 
Or maybe you just keep seeing that person. And man, you just can't get away from it. Why, why do I feel this drive or this need to talk to that individual? Follow up on that and actually do it. Just go grab a cup of coffee out here in, in the cafe and sit down at a table. I just, I just want to know a little bit about you. I, or let me tell you a little bit about myself. Or, 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 or tell me you know, about your family. or Whatever the case may be. And just engage them on some level. I went and volunteered at my kid's school this past Friday because we're supposed to have 40 volunteer hours before the end of the year at our charter school that my kids attend. And right now I have 16. And so, <laughs> so I'm really trying to wash a lot of lunch trays. And yeah, got to cram in those volunteer hours. The year just got away from me. Hey, what can, what can I say? But uh, I'll make it. I'll make it. Don't worry about it. But because uh, I know you're concerned about that. Um, <clears throat> but at the school, I volunteered with lunch, and man, I was out of my element. That was not my zone, being with a bunch of little kids and helping them open their milk and stuff. I'm just, oh, it was, it was chaos. It was so loud, and I, I, I just, I had a little panic attack. <laughs> it's, it's, seriously, that, that made me super uncomfortable. That's really not my zone. Um, but, uh, but anyways, and, and I was a first timer. I was the first time I've ever helped with the lunch. I was clueless and I hate being clueless. I'm used to being in charge and I would rather be telling everybody what to do and organizing it and helping put it together. But now I'm out here actually doing it. I'm going, I have no idea what to do. And it was really, really awkward and uncomfortable. But at the same time, there were three people who served at, uh, in the cafeteria that, that I was kind of working a little closer with. I started talking to these people, and one of these people came up to me and started talking to me and just asking me questions, and we got into, you know, somewhat of a a personal conversation at some level, and I I walked away thinking about that, and I thought, simply through me serving with someone that was a complete stranger, I have a base or a start for a relationship with this individual. We clicked really well. I really liked the guy's personality. He was a really funny guy. I really enjoyed just uh, working with him and serving with him. But at the same time, I, I walked away thinking about that whole dynamic because here at church, I mean, I don't really volunteer for a whole lot, you know, because I'm the pastor. The things that I do, I do most of the time because I'm a pastor. There are certain areas I could consider volunteering, but I'm very comfortable with the church environment. I was very uncomfortable with the school environment. And it was a great lesson for me because I got to engage someone I had never met before and build somewhat of a relationship with him in a very short time. I only served in there for like a couple of hours. I mean, it was just maybe two hours, but yet I got connected with this individual just through wiping tables and talking and getting to know people. I thought, wow, if we could catch that, that mentoring is not as hard as we think, that building relationship and connecting with people is not as hard as we think. We make it way too hard. We make it way too complicated. We want to have sign-ups, and we want to do all these different things, and it's not always a sign-up. Sometimes it's wiping a table down with somebody and just talking to them. And then all of a sudden you begin to care about the person. And the person begins to care about you. And next thing you know, you're, you're doing something together. You're interacting. And now you've got a great mentoring relationship in your life. Ladies, let me tell you, it's not always these huge formal things where you can get connected to be that mentoring mother. Sometimes it's just you getting involved, caring about someone, you serving some, with someone, and then all of a sudden you have this great relationship that God has orchestrated and opened up the door. You just have to be available, and you have to continue to grow as that individual, putting yourself in those positions that may be a little uncomfortable, but God can use them to do great things. I found a great quote by Maya Angelou said, 
in order to be a mentor and an effective one, one must care. You must care. You don't have to know how many square miles are in Idaho. You don't need to know what is the chemical makeup of chemistry or of blood or water. Know what you know and care about the person. Care about what you know and care about the person that you're sharing it with. All we simply need to do is care about people. Loving God, loving people, serving the world. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.